0: Welcome to The Next Gen Show. My name is Benjamin Brain and it's my mission to share with you the stories, experiences and insights of accomplished next generation leaders of family businesses from across the UK. On today's episode of The Next Gen Show, I was joined by Ben Wilson, Managing Director of MPM, an award-winning Leeds-based manufacturer and supplier of composite and fiberglass tooling and products. The business was launched by Ben's dad when he was just 29 back in 1978 and he retired in 2010 when alongside his two brothers Ben took over the running of the business and has since taken it to great new heights increasing revenue by over 700% but that's not come without its challenges. Back in 2018, their 40th anniversary, a devastating fire ripped through the factory and burnt it to the ground. Only then to be hit by the challenges brought about by coronavirus, which impacted so many other businesses. But as you'll find from this interview, resilience is part of the DNA at NPM. Ben and the team always find a way to come back bigger and better. So without further ado, let's get into it. This is Ben Wilson. Okay, so joined by Ben Wilson, managing director at NPM this morning. Ben, thank you so much for taking some time out to share your own journey with us on the Next Gen Show.
1: Pleasure. Pleasure, Ben.
0: So I always like to start these um, interviews by taking it back in time and just asking you for a bit of context about how NPM first got started. I know it was your father that started the business a few decades back now in 1978, but what was the sort of the driver behind your father starting the business in the first place?
1: Um, I think uh, for me, dad, he's always been he's always been a competitive soul. Um, and I think he'd he served his apprenticeship when back when an apprenticeship was seven years. So he'd, he'd worked in a, a foundry and a pattern shop there. Um, and then he went off and did, and did some in uh, GRP pattern making. And I think like like many people, at times he felt underappreciated. Um and eventually, you know, the they got got to a point where the breaking point was sort of almost sobbed this, I'll so I'll have a go myself. Um and you know I, I think at, at that point in time it he probably just sort of almost bought himself a job. Um so he he's, he, he set up MPM and and it was it was him and one other chap called Phil Burnley, um, Alan, who remained with us for many years. Started as an apprentice, um, and he, you know, he just—I I think he basically just dug his heels in and said, "Right, I can have a go at this myself."
0: And um, what if if I was to ask you what MPM is known for? Like, how would you describe the core of what you do?
1: Um. I... I suppose it, it's it's evolved over the years but fundamentally if it's you know if it's a glass reinforced plastic or fiberglass or composite there's the sort of many things it's known as but if it's if it's something that's produced from fiberglass and um, if it's moldable we we can solve we can make it so we do we do molds and tooling for other companies which supports their production lines and then we also take products from design and concept through to molding and then provide parts for the leisure industry. So anything from shower pods for caravans, uh, pizza ovens, bath panels, shower tray molds. Uh, we're just starting out on a project for um, renewable energy for a, a battery energy storage unit, um, sewage tanks, water tanks. So there's a fairly wide and varied range of, of things.
0: Yeah, sounds like enough to keep it interesting. Definitely. Yeah. So, going back to 1978, obviously it's a bit presumptuous to ask the question in the first place. But but how old were you when you first started the business?
1: Uh, I was four.
0: Okay, so my I, I suppose it's quite a long time ago to sort of ask the question around. Can you remember like a, a difference or a shift from when your dad had been employed? To move in towards being self-employed, did you notice anything even back when you were four that you would pick up on as a as a young kid?
1: Um, probably not so much with my dad because he's always been, like I say, I anybody that knows me knows I'm competitive. Um, so I fundamentally, if there's you know. If if there's a podium, I, I don't see any point in aiming to be on the third step. I'd want to be on the first one. Um, and I think with my dad's drive and ambition, whether it was working for somebody else or working for himself, he always always gave hundred percent. And I think I, and and for that reason, I don't think I would have seen much change. Yeah, um, you, you know, back then he. Um, you know, I was what three and a half, four years old, Dylan will have been 18 months, two years old. Okay. Um, so it's, it's one of those moments in life that for, for all our, our differences, which I'm sure some of your questions will raise. Um, I, I always admire my, me, my dad at that point because it, one, it must've taken some guts and belief in himself. Mm. And, and two, I've no idea how he convinced my mum. Okay. So you know, if I if I look back to my to my own children being four years old and two years old, if I went to my wife and said, "I've got this really crackers idea that I'm going to leave my job and security, are getting a wage each week or month, and I'm going to throw it all at having a go myself," you know, Lorna's quite risk averse at times, so she'd have gone, "No, you're not," and that would have probably been it. <laughs> That was up there. So, so for me, dad, for me, dad to do that at that point, and he'd be the first to say that he, 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 he worked hard, and, and you know, I know the old cliche of work smart and not harder, but my dad worked hard and he worked smart. But he would be the first to say that it was he didn't set MPM up as Alan Sugar or to be a you know an entrepreneurial spirit. Um. It, he did it because he wanted to deliver quality products and a quality service. And, and fundamentally, that's how it grew initially in the early stages, because people just heard he did a good job.
0: Yeah, and clearly it was a risk that paid off for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think it did. You you might ask my mum sometimes and she might disagree, <laughs> but um, you know, he's I don't think he'd have known any other way, and he created levels of, of of anxiety that he, he probably didn't need sometimes it's it's not easy running a business um, you know yes there are benefits to it and yes there are rewards um, but you know in 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 essence he he earned a very good living he was clever in where he invested um, and he's you know he's living a nice retirement now and you know fingers crossed this is signed sunshine right now in spain
0: Nice, nice. Okay, so what age were you, Ben, when you first joined the business?
1: Uh, I was eighteen. Okay. What What had you been doing up to then? Uh, I well, I, I did school as as normal. Um, never particularly liked school, but never never really bunked off either because I couldn't be bothered. With it. I grew off my mum, <laughs> and then. Uh, I was asked to go back and do A-levels, um, but I just didn't fancy, I didn't like school up to age of 16, so I really didn't see, and I, and I did speak to the uh, the, the teacher that uh, that asked me to go back, and I just said, look, unfortunately, I've not enjoyed school up to now, really, um, so I think it'll just be a waste of two years, because I can't see me enjoying the next two years I've had. I've had up to 16 as a trial run and I've not really enjoyed it. So um, so I, I ended up going to um, a company in Skipton called Fibrolyte. Um and I did, I can't remember how, but I ended up doing a week's work experience um, and I'd worked on the shop floor for quite a few years in school holidays at NPM. So I knew how manufacturing worked. I knew how to put a shift in um, and by the end of the week, the, the managing director at the time called John Crossland. It's too long ago to get him in trouble now, but I'm sure you I'm sure you weren't meant to give people money, but they put 30 quid in an envelope, which don't sound much now, but in nineteen ninety-one to a, a kid, uh, effectively it were it were quite a lot. Plus they said if you ever want a job, you've just done your interview, so give me a ring.
0: Nice. So you didn't go straight into what was npm at the time then was was that something that was on your mind you know with with your father having the the business did you always sort of feel that your destiny would be here or did you want to go out there and sort of create a, your own path did you have eyes on other careers
1: um no no I can't. i'd love to dress it up some other way but um i was i was probably going into work with my dad from Probably eight, eight or nine years old. Yeah. And um, and and my my earliest sort of recollection has been about sort of ten years old, thinking I'm going to run this place one day and I'm going to do a better job than you, Dad. <laughs> and, that, and that that isn't meant disrespectfully. That's just because if if we were on if we were on BMXs at that time in our lives, I still wanted to beat my dad, and my dad still wanted to beat me. And and I've, I've zero issue with that. Um, you know, some people would be like, Oh, you should let your kids win, blah, blah, blah. It, I won't I won't bother because it set it set me a benchmark and I I would go for that whether I were on a BMX or, or running the business. So at the time, you know, effectively I, I, I idolised my dad. So at that point in time, why would I not look at the business and think, I, I wanna I wanna take that further one day, Dad. Yeah. So, so for I,
0: you, it was clear cut. You were going to be joining NPM, and when you were there, you were going to be taking it to new levels one day.
1: Yeah, I think so, and I think Fiberlite just happened to be an opportunity that that came along. And um, again, I I started at Fiberlite, and I was I was 16 years old, and I think going onto a, a shop floor in 1991 um, at 16, you were probably expected that you were going to be the whipping boy and you were going to be sent for a tin of tart and paint or any other standing <laughs> jokes. Was, yeah. Yeah, I, I knew how a shop floor worked, and and it's probably why I'd always struggled to cut sarcastic wit out of my uh, life, um, because I, I enjoyed the crack and the banter on the shop floor, um, but at Fibrolite at the time, it was sort of, Probably for some of the older guys, they didn't like a 16-year-old standing up for himself.
0: <laughs>
1: now, you, you've already mentioned one thing
0: in terms of um, your competitive spirit. And obviously that served you well in... You, and I know you're not a fan of titles and hierarchy, but essentially being the managing director of a successful company, you've talked about the fact that you weren't necessarily you know, an academic, you weren't interested in furthering your, your education career. But when you look back now can you see any or other signs or traits in your younger self that um, would have given some sort of indication to the fact that you would be you know, successful as a, a managing director of a family-run business?
1: Um, I, I'd suppose so on, a, on a sort of minor level almost, you know, I, I, and it's even just sprung to mind now. I, I, I actually went off with, a, with one of the guys that worked at NPM and I can't remember I were at middle school so probably 11 or 12 and he knew this fantastic conker tree okay. so how we ended up or why we ended up going with with uh, mark and he was almost well it makes you wonder why my dad let me go cuz his his nickname, <laughs> his nickname his nickname were empty um, right. but he you know I, I still remember that day and going and we we got hundreds of conkers so me and me and my brother Dylan went back to middle school the following week and sold the Conkers. Um, and when it came to winter, my dad, as any manufacturer, you always aim for a high right first time and you don't like making scrap. Well, if they scrapped any bath panels, me, me and Dylan asked for the bath panels because we sold them as sledges. So nice. We at that point in time we were known for having the fastest sledges in Clayton where we were we were brought up until I was thirteen. But they were the they were the business of sledges at that time in life.
0: Yeah, it sounds fairly technologically advanced for a sledge back in those days, but clearly you had that entrepreneurial spirit from very early on then. And and what was your experience of, you know, this is now your full-time position, this is your career moving from school, going into the family business? at what sort of level would you say you entered the business and what was your experience for the first sort of few years of, of working through the positions?
1: Uh ground up, really. Yeah. Um I I spent and obviously I'd spent time working in the school holidays. So yeah, I actually I left FibroLite um Christmas ninety-two. And I, I probably had enough attitude at that point to to sink Skipton. So I, I worked my notice. Um, and, I, and I grafted right up until end. Um, but when they asked me why I was I was leaving, I actually stated that uh, I had no in- I didn't like any of the managers as they called them, and I had no intention of working for them any further than a day longer than I had to. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> um, but I, I saw I enjoyed my time at, at Fiber Light as a as a whole, mm-hmm. um, and. I left Fibre Light and I asked my dad for a job, and uh, he said no. So I thought, oh, I probably should have asked for a job before I ended me noticing at Fibre Light. <laughs> Um And me, and I'll always, I'll always respect my dad at that at that point um, for his decision because he just said, "We're not busy enough." So the only reason you would be coming to NPM right now is because you're my son, and that's not good enough reason. Um. So fortunately for me and unfortunately for Dylan, Dylan went to work at NPM straight from school. Uh, So Dylan was already established at NPM, but he got rushed into hospital with internal bleeding. And Because I'd worked in school holidays from about the age of 10, my dad already knew I could do the job. So effectively I nicked my brother's job. (laughs) All right. And by... And by the, time, by the time Dylan was well enough again, we, we were busy enough and I'd firmly established myself at MPM. Oh, okay,
0: so that worked out quite well for you. Now, I might have missed something here, but how come you didn't join MPM straight after leaving school? How come you went to Fiberlight instead of going straight to MPM?
1: Uh, I think it was just to experience something different. And I a, knew and a MPM yeah. just from school holidays and everything with my dad. And because i have done the work experience and they said, you know, you can come effectively at Fibrolite, they they used similar materials, but the, the technology was almost a step up for where NPM was. So it gave me an insight into another manufacturing business and some, some other composite and GRP production. Um, and, and just sort of probably gave me a little bit more rounded view of, of, how a not so much a business because I was just at shop floor level at five. like sure. but It gave me another view of how I'd like a, a shop floor structured, almost, and then how I'd like a team structured. And and there's probably part of that where I it's probably part of bits of hierarchy that I don't like because you know there was there there, there was one particular supervisor and he, he was just a bully. Um, and it and it's probably that where it stems from as as wanting everybody to understand the shift that everybody puts in. Yeah. So no. Any anybody could anybody could throw it throw it back at me and say you talk about team all the time, but this, but that, but that. Well, you know, I don't mind those challenges because I I tend to I would like to think that I could answer those and sort of give a rounded view of of how we work at MPM, but. I, I see other elements of team being spoken about, and I think I'm I'm not so sure. Uh, okay, and and I I swept the floors. I've 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 been to I've I've been and done chop run. Although my brother was slightly more entrepreneurial with that, because Dylan used to keep everybody's change. Where I were I were a little bit too <laughs> pro, I were a bit too process driven, and that's that's right, that's right, that's right. And here's your change, whereas Dylan had just got. I can keep you changed because I went to shop for you. <laughs> nice,
0: I like his style, and and we'll definitely come onto that dynamic between you and your brother and your father in the family business. There's some interesting questions there, but so from what it sounds like to me, that that sort of um, step into FibreLite, you almost treated that like a reconnaissance mission to find out what you could learn, knowing that eventually you were going to come back to MPM. So that was seems quite you know forward thinking for. A young teenager at the time to have that sort of mindset.
1: Uh, yeah, look, I mean, for me, looking back, things like that—it's, you know, it's nice of you to say so. For me, it was just—I probably had a similar ethos to my dad, where it would mm. just get on with it. And and for 19, nine and I, it's one thing I don't understand now. I know that I, I don't like the the phrase work-life balance. Just don't like it life's life when when i'm here i'm spinning on this planet at a certain speed and when i go home i'll still be spinning at same speed breathing in and out so i think life is all about balance i don't get the work life bit um but you you've you really struggle to get people to do overtime as much whereas when i went to FibroLight in 1992 i averaged 16 hours overtime every week yeah and you know it for the first six months we we were i lived up near malham now if anybody knows malham and the yorkshire dales you get about three buses a day so <laughs> if i wanted to start work at six o'clock in the morning i just had to get on my bike and cycle 10 miles hmm. and i'd I'd get up i'd set off to work at five o'clock i'd cycle 10 miles i'd do my shift finish at half past four and cycle back home. Yeah. And, do, and do that five days a week, and then a Saturday morning. Whereas uh, uh, there's there's an element now where you, you've literally almost got to twist somebody's arm to do some overtime. And I'm like, where's where's your goals? Where's where's your ambition? What what holiday is there for? What are you going to do about a car?
0: Yeah,
1: um, um, you know it, it's. Uh, and I, I love the famous line. Pointless doing all the time, tax man will take it. No, no he'll only take, <laughs> he'll take that percentage. You will be better off. No, I won't. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah and that, and that's something that you mentioned a few moments ago um, in terms of starting from the bottom and working your way up through the business. You were sweeping the floors, going to fetch the teas, etc. I think sometimes that's maybe an element that puts people off from joining the family business. As you've already said, you know, they've probably had experience in the summer holidays doing those sort of jobs and when it comes to picking a career they think well if I'm joining the family business I'm gonna have to you know work my way up from the bottom and I'd rather go in at a higher level now I know that's that's something that you believe in starting your way at the bottom and working your way up what what benefits has that brought about for you being in the position that you're in now compared to somebody who might just be given a, a leadership position because they're a member of the family without having that prior experience
1: um, I think it can be dependent on the, the, the sector and what you do. Um, I think for me, it's helped me have a, a good understanding of how the, the shop floor works. And I suppose the efforts that you, your team put in, it mm-hmm. makes it a lot easier to walk around the facility and go, why does that look like that? What we're doing about that? That looks wrong, which probably means it is wrong. Um whereas the the benefits have sort of been almost helicoptered in you know it worked for me i'm not i'm not solely you must start at the bottom but my my university years almost were right well i'll make that sacrifice and start at the bottom and i'll I'll learn by doing whereas somebody else that's really suited to academia might go off and learn you know, put they put their years in and and their debts and everything else for for a university and that education, and then they might come in, and there'll be some benefits to that because I'll I'll probably find it to find it harder to delegate some things because I can just I just do that myself. Yeah, and it, it's one of the worst traits ever when you're trying to grow yeah. because. You, you you can be the obstacle to growth because you go, I'll do that. I'll do that. Um, and, and and to this day, that is, that is still something that I have to be quite conscious of. And if you asked at least five people, they would still say, yeah, he needs to delegate a bit more.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. So, but you're, you're, at least you're aware of that, which I think is fairly self-conscious. But I think that's an interesting point. And I think that's something that particularly entrepreneurial family members that have worked their way through the business do struggle with is that, Delegation, because like you say, it's quicker for you to do it than to try and train and teach somebody else to do it in the way that you want it to get the outcome that you want. But how are some of the ways, even though you feel that you could do it better still? But how are the some of the ways that you deal with that now? So when you do feel like it's something that you could just quickly do yourself, but ultimately for the growth of the business, you know you need to have your focus elsewhere and you need to empower your team to do these things. Do you have any sort of particular systems or frameworks or mindsets that you? Consciously put in place to help you become better at that.
1: Uh, I think my mindset wise, I'm always. I've, I've worked on my self awareness. Yeah. Um, I I was very fortunate to meet uh, a business coach called Patrick Crawford in 2009 2010, um, and th- there were times where I, I had. 100 percent thoughts of i'm not sure why i pay this fella every month okay because I, I i he's like proper rinsing my brain and, and I, I feel about that big sometimes <laughs> okay and, um, and that that's not Pat, patrick was excellent and but i could feel i could feel that big yeah i'd end up feeling that i was six inch taller when the penny dropped yeah and, and so I've tried to work on the self-awareness and I'll always try to gather feedback from people that I, that I respect, that I feel will give me honest feedback and that I can work on to lift my own game. Yeah. Um, the, the other tactics is just bite through your tongue sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> when I've sat there thinking, I, I know an answer to this, but I need to let, let them run with it. Yeah. Um, and I think it is just a, a constant working off that awareness like right hang on it's going to be catastrophic in a minute because somebody's going to launch herself off this cliff and there's no safety net yeah um you know there's times where I don't believe I'm perfect I don't believe the world's perfect and I believe that there will be mistakes um sometimes it's just how you bounce back from that whether as a as a team or an individual so I think it's it's been quite conscious of it and over the years you know it's it's probably one of those of doing you know a list of the tasks that take up most of your time a list of the tasks where you feel most um, in flow um, and I probably pinched that line from a, a book called Relentless mm. um, and that were a great book because based on Michael Jordan and his coach um, it were really nice and refreshing to read a leadership book that said, basically you you do want to win end of
0: yeah there's nothing wrong with it
1: no I think there's in context of short snippets you know the Simon Sinek video on you know the infinite game blah 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 and not winning I'm like no I'd I'd have to disagree with that I think in context of a bigger conversation we might agree on something but just to have it in a short five minute video of you know it's not all about the winning it's like well Go tell Roy Kane or Lewis Hamilton or Cristiano Ronaldo and you know so on and so forth. There's 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 a time where you I think you should chase down everything that you want.
0: Yeah, that that's definitely one of if I had to pick a top ten of books, Relentless is on there. There's there's three types of people he talks about in that book. There's there's the sweeper, there's the cleaner. I can't remember what the last one was. What would you put yourself as? I think, was it the sweeper, the guy who is just focused on winning and will do anything to to get there and is literally, like the title of the book says, relentless?
1: No. A lot of people would, would potentially perceive that. Okay. Uh, but I've, I've I've recently done a, a diagnostic with another coach on sort of the, what's it called, TE, IQ. So it's all around the emotional intelligence. And one of my higher scores was all about almost managing situations for other people's emotions and happiness. Okay. But one of my lower scores was my own management of stress sometimes. So you're almost, people wouldn't see it potentially externally of me where I'll be conscious of everything that's going on around me, but I can still look like I'm just going to ride over everything to get to what I want sometimes, and uh, and and again, I think that's where the self awareness has got to come in. You need to be working with good coaches, looking at personality diagnostic profiles. Mm. First time I ever did that with Patrick, I like, that's not me, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then we 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 spent some time going through, and I'm like oh, yeah, that, that might be me, and, yeah. uh, and I think you know that's. Again, that can all be hidden with leadership sometimes because you'll make certain sacrifices that you're not going to tell anybody else about and you don't particularly want any praise or fanfare about. Mm. But we, we, as human beings, we can all look for the, the negatives more than the positives sometimes. And, you know, what, what's up with him? Um, and I have part of that last year in 2021, probably the the toughest year emotionally in in my time since taking over in in 2010. Um, And, you know, I've took some feedback from the team, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But there were some bits that I just, that I were like, I probably were at that relentless point where it just like, I, I can't, I can't fluff it up guys. I cannot stand here in a team meeting and effectively be losing 6-0 and go, well done, played a good game there. Um, you know, what What sucks, sucks. And if we're getting hammered 6-0, I need to do something about it. So I'm not one of these people that can stand in front of you all with a big smile on my face going, yay, we're doing really well. No, we're not. We're, we're mm. doing good. Yeah,
0: Yeah, oh, there's, there's quite a few points we'll go into there. The first one I wanted to start with that time back in 2009 when you first started working with was it Patrick the business coach was that something that your father had always done had just been part of the business and he brought you into work with him as well or was there like a sequence of events that led you personally to think I need somebody to help support me with this what was the sort of chain of events that led to Patrick coming into the business and working with you
1: uh I'd, I'd I suppose I'd love to give you the the PC answer and the rosy answer, but I'll give you my honest answer. Okay, we not really know any different. Oh, that's what we're here for. Um, I I always found the time within within the family business hard work. Um, we had had quite different ideas. Um, I was looking back at that period of time between. Ninety-three, uh, and and you'd like to think that I learned over years, but probably heading into two thousands, my communication, looking back, was still poor. And you know, to be honest, looking back, if I, if I was in my dad's situation at that point, he he'd have, he he, I probably would have sacked me. Okay. Because. The emotion that was involved with a family business when you wanted to do different things and you wanted to do things at a different pace. And there were there were things that needed dealing with that I would have had no idea about at that point. Um and we I think we got to a point where I wanted to understand and know more about business. And there were probably a few things as I started digging into it where I wanted to do it. Even, even bigger or even even more different, really, to what my dad wanted to do. Yeah. Um, so that that became an extremely trying time um, because because of that emotion that, that was involved at the time, and, and it was quite hard for me mum and. My mum always saw it from a family angle, in my opinion, not as much a business angle. Um, and like I say, my, my dad probably gave me too much rope. He probably should have given me less and just let me hang myself. Um, not in a literal way, that would be wrong. <laughs> um, and so I ended up I ended up uh, going to or uh, booking a free half day uh, with a business coach. And at that point, I didn't know it was Patrick. So at that point in time, my dad's opinion was, and we looked into a diagnostic with uh, on the business with somebody else. And my dad's opinion at that time when he put the proposal together was, uh, I've been running this business for 32 years. Who the hell's he to tell me how to run my business? Yeah. I, I get that to a degree because... There might be times where I'd have had that opinion myself, but for the business to grow, we were we were in a position where we'd probably evolved, and then we we were there, and then we did a bit more. And I know I know Patrick always put it in seven-year cycles and said, you know, you think that MPMs thirty odd years old, but you're probably just in your fourth or fifth cycle, and you've got glass ceilings to break through. Mm. Um, so I went and did half a day with Patrick and I'm pretty sure I was with my dad. I don't think my dad right enjoyed it and I loved it. <laughs> okay. um, and I came out of the session and, and I, I pretty much discovered that I knew everything there was to know about MPM, and, and absolutely saw it all about running a business. Mm. Um, and so again, there was, there was some other parts that, that we'd sort of discussed. There were some other parts within the business that I'd sort of shuffled around and, and, and finding out more and more information. And, and eventually I said to my dad, you know, either, and, and again, looking back, was it the, the right way? I'm not sure it was. Did it, did it get the result and push things over the line? Yeah, it, it probably did. And I I did say, uh, we've got three choices. So obviously to which my dad said, well, what's these choices? I said, well, you can either give me a pay rise. I said, oh, I'll sacrifice that pay rise, but you pay for business coaching because I want to learn what I don't know. Yeah. Or i leave. But I'm not bothered which one it is, but it does need to be one of those three. How much
0: attachment did were you equally attached to all three of those? Was there one that, like, if he had chosen option three, you leave in the business, would you have gone with that? Would you have followed through with it in terms of how you felt at the time?
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. Wow. I'm not... I wouldn't it it was it wasn't a threat, but I'm not one to say i'm gonna do something, and sometimes to my detriment <laughs> where okay if I say if i say i'm gonna do something generally i'll I'll see it through yeah and, um and i i think that was there's an acronym for it, but I think let's like say if it's detrimental and it's a stupid acronym but you know a good leader at ship trade is do what you say you're gonna do mm. um I, I was particularly tied to wanting to have business coaching. Yeah, because I thought that could benefit everybody.
0: Yeah, Whereas, and and do you still yeah. work with a business coach now as well? Did you say, or, or coaches at least?
1: Is uh, yes, at different times. I think yeah. I will, I'll I'll um, I'll pick. I will pick and choose. Yeah, and, um, I have to get on personally. I can't work with somebody can push me basically uh, how did Patrick describe it once? You're best off with a, a transitional coach, not a transactional one, one that just talks KPIs to you and metrics and everything else. And I love KPIs and data. Yeah. But if it's fundamentally just based on just don't work for me. Mm. If it's you know, if working with Patrick, like I say, I'd leave some sessions and think. I don't know what happened in that two hours. <laughs> no idea why I feel like I do. And um I met one of my uh, closest friends uh through business coaching, Fiona Keane. And Patrick's no longer with us, but we still have conversations and say, Oh, do you remember that? Or i we doing that this week and all I could feel were, you know, Patrick on my shoulder going, Nope, you just need to do it that way then. <laughs> remember what you've done, remember what you've learned in the past.
0: and what's the reason that you still work with again depending on what your requirement is at the time and who you feel you've got could have a good relationship with Like, what do you get out of those coaching relationships as a leader in the business
1: Um, I think it's good headspace I think um, it can give a sort of almost a a, a, a different sort of third external perspective on the business Um, you know I have a lot of I have, a, I have a lot of love, obviously, and bias for, for what the team do and the the progress that we've made as a, as a business and a team. Um, but if you become too insular, you know, we're all going to sit at home and go, I've got a lovely house, me. I like my house. You know, you could get 10 other people come in and go, that's a bit tatty and why haven't you done that and why have you not got a 72-inch screen? Mm. Um, so a, a business to me is, is no different, really, unless you – Going out and maybe doing a factory tour, or um, you know, listening to other business people speak. I really enjoy my um, sort of involvement with the Leeds Manufacturing Alliance because I, I I try to limit what's in my diary. I'm not a massive social person, so I'm you know I enjoy I, I enjoy my home life. So I tr- I keep as many diary appointments outside working hours to a minimum yeah um but with the Leeds manufacturing alliance you get a good insight into what other businesses their stresses strains and everything else and like i say when i feel the need to do some work internally on myself um looking at my own performance and leadership then i'll call on people i have worked well with in the past and and just sit down and go through that you know i was I was part of the, like a, a board group, like a Vistage or a, a alternative board, and I did that for a year. Um, and the morning that I announced that I was leaving the group and resigning from from the group, everybody was sort of baffled. But i was like, I don't smile anymore when I'm coming. Yeah, you know, last session we spent two hours discussing an HR issue. I said. At the time, I think we were about two million pound turnover. I was like, well. I've got an HR person. That's not discussing strategy for me. Mm. That's just discussing a challenge that relatively simple to deal with, as I thought at the time. Yeah. And, um, so the group was, you know, fantastic, but I'd I'd stopped I'd stopped enjoying it or driving away going, I need to do that, or we need to do that at MPM. Or yeah, yeah, I need to work on myself a little bit more here. Yeah um, so I I'd like I say I'll, I'll call on on people that that uh, that I know I can work with and, and respect when needed. And yeah. No different internally, really. Yeah. You know, internally if you're surrounding yourself with good people then you, you're gonna take things from that. Mm-hmm. We've, we've been fortunate enough um to bring in Paul Wintersgill this year onto the board. Um and he, he's he was our accountant for eight years. So he knows he knows how I work. He knows how my brother works. Yeah. He knows business. Yeah. Um, but he's still challenging stuff left, right, and center. Yeah. Um, and if and if he wasn't, I think we'd both be bored. Yeah. So you know, and and like I say, I'll, I'll ask for I'll ask for feedback minimum twice a year. Normally once a quarter. So just right. And and that's why I know I still need to delegate stuff because when I asked for it a month ago. Um what was uh, one bit of feedback was, um, seriously, stop trying to take everything on. Um, sometimes just give it to other people because they just want to help. Yeah, <laughs> so, that, yeah
0: the world well, is that saying, isn't it? I find myself saying it quite a lot. You, you can't read the label when you're inside the jam jar. It's always easier for somebody else to see where your blind spots are. You, you can't see your own blind spots. So to have somebody being able to provide that outside perspective can really change the game.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: and and going back to where we started, this part of the conversation about, and, and it's it's something you hear quite common in family business. You have the younger generation coming into the business; they've got all these ideas. They want to take it to the next level, do things bigger and better. But it's the older generation that have built the business, and it's almost, you know, an attack not 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 a, a, a purposeful attack, but an attack on their own ego and pride. Like going back to that stage, take the business coach out of the equation. Knowing what you know now about working in a family business, is there anything that you would have done differently to handle that situation in a better way?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's. Um, I, I've I've got I've got kids to so learn about yourself. Um, yeah. but I, I I very 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 much doubt that anybody has ever come over to and gone your kids ugly, and yeah, pretty much for ten years, I probably told my dad that his baby were ugly. Yeah, and and you know, looking back, I I can't I can't turn the clock back, and was I happy with the results? Yeah, I suppose so because it came to where. My dad went off and enjoyed his retirement and we were able to get our teeth stuck into moving moving the business forward and and how we wanted, I suppose. Um, but it was one, we're both extremely competitive. Yeah. Um, I do think sometimes that being stubborn isn't seen as a quality. But but I think it is sometimes in life because you'll dig your heels in and you'll and you'll sort of see it through. Yeah. If you're listening to what other people are saying.
0: Yeah, I think, well, I think it's like any strength, isn't it? A, a strength taken to the extreme can become a weakness. So it's all about each one in moderation.
1: Yeah. So I think at that point in time, looking at both mine and my dad's personality, I were probably just younger and had a bit more energy to see. <laughs> through yeah and it's like i say we 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 do talk quite a lot now about business Mm -hmm. um but at at the time we we didn't speak at all um so fundamentally that says i got it wrong um and i and i remember i remember a coaching session with um with patrick and you know i sat down and me dad this and me dad that and Alan ain't doing this and Alan's stopping me doing that and me dad this and what the hell's me dad doing and da da, da, da da And he'd probably let it let me get it all off my chest and and I'd just remember him literally chopping me off at the knees and going, yeah, you know, it's all your fault. I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. I just spent five minutes telling you every reason that it's not my fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you tried changing your communication? What do you mean? Well, true communication is the response you get. So what response are you getting? Well, one that I don't like. Well, what are you going to change about your communication then? And so we spent probably an hour because of, in a good way, with a competitive edge where I felt about that big. And I went, oh, yeah, got a bit of work to do, Anna." And, and so like I say, it's it's we we'll talk a lot more about it now. Um and um I think it was Fiona. I spoke to Fiona probably about six months ago. Um we we generally speak probably once a once a week, minimum once a month. But I remember a conversation six months ago and I, I phoned my daddy who was still stuck out in Spain. Um and we were discussing the business and everything else. And he he said, I can't can't say how proud I am for what you've done with NPM. And, you know, never in a million years did I see it it growing as to what you've grown it to. And and the conversation went on a little bit. And I I, I phoned Fiona the following day and I said, it's probably the worst thing he could have said to me. And she said, What do you mean the worst thing he could have said to you? I said, Because I'm sort of done. I said, Because I always, always did it to set another benchmark that my dad would go, NPM's at that level now. And and I started that and the foundations of it. And I said, But the competitive edge in me, I almost felt like he'd switched my light off because I, I didn't have anything to prove almost hmm that, that, that can be a, a you know a good thing and a bad thing but at, and at the time I, you know were conscious enough to ring fiona just to just to speak about it and and sort of turn it over um and and she said well just go do it again make sure in six months he's saying i'm really proud of what you've done with npm and you know it's it it were a, it, it was a quite an insightful conversation because Fortunately, my self-awareness kicked in and went, "Oh, wonder why I feel like that," and and so then it, I'd go back to all the books that I've read and and everything else and coaches that I've worked with and um, you know, and it it was one of those moments in time of a, another a, another insight into why personality profiles and diagnostics work because I could instantly go, "Oh yeah, um, yeah."
0: So it sounds like a classic case of that. It's not the outcome that's the most important thing. It's it's the process. Because quite often when you get to where you want to be, you realise that you don't actually feel that fulfilment that you'd hoped for. And it's about continuing that process of, of striving for more. So so since you've had that conversation six months ago, do you feel that you've been able to turn your light back on?
1: Yeah, yeah. What,
0: what yeah. did you have to do to, to flick it back on? What was it?
1: Um. I, th- I think probably the realization that um, we were we we were heading we're heading in the right direction and and um, I think I, I think I just had to sort of sit down and go right that's that that that's great um, but I, I can't can't rest on laurels or become sort of complacent because it'll come crashing down and when when I'd sort of set the benchmark of well, we're going to do this and do that and then, and then that insight into my own emotional process and my dad just saying that it was like well almost in a positive driver for me, I know some people would see it as negative but it was yeah. like well get complacent he, he said that six months ago he, there's no way I want him telling me I'm on empty in another six months
0: yeah
1: because so if it's all come crashing down and I've got complacent just because my light's gone out um, I've got a full team you know reliant on our customers and our customers are reliant on what the NPM team does for them mm. and it's it's been you know, and again, the the whole history of NPM. It's that the whole takeover time was quite difficult. Um, I know when we, myself and two brothers, took over. Me, Dylan, and Sid sat down. The first thing I put together were roles and responsibilities. They were like, right, if if, I, if I'm you know, and giving it titles, but if I'm MD, you're doing that. You're doing yeah, right. Fundamentally, do you want me to hold that position? Yeah, 100%. Right, great. Well, that's what I'm accountable for. That's what you're accountable for. That's what you're accountable for. Work stays at work and family stays family and, and friends. And, and that's it. Because there is going to be times where I th- I'll either challenge it or I'll have tough decisions to make. Yeah. Um, and it's that, that, that bit was quite hard then, we had our best year ever in 2017, both from a turnover point of view and a profit point of view. Yeah. We'd just had the meeting with our accountant, which was actually Paul, who's FD now, but we'd, we'd had a, a meeting at his office in Ilkley. Pat on back, great job, well done. What we're going to do next that's massive. Um, and that was February 2018. Myself and Dylan were driving home at the time. I said what we're going to do and dylan just said that's last year and well, neither of us are that good at celebrating and um, so we were like well that's last year we've got this year to sort out now so let's just crack on with this year and make this year a good year and then about six hours later we got a phone call to say that the building was on fire so the building burnt to the ground and wow. we, lost, we lost everything Every mould, every every bit of machinery, the lot. Um, we re- rebuilt back up in 2018. I think we were only 7% down on 2017's turnover figure. My youngest brother unfortunately passed away February 2019. So that was 2019. And then March 2020, Covid hit. And then 2021 was probably as uncertain and as horrific, with everything coronavirus-wise, and the raw materials market was just berserk. So, in my in in, in my thing of right, what what switches you light on? There's various things, but in any given down day, I can look at the last 12 years and go, "Yeah, we're all right." <laughs> it, today can't be that bad. Just just get on with it. Um and that's and, and that probably all encompassed 2021 but with the emotional roller coaster. Um and I I told everybody I was ready for Christmas. Anybody that had listened, start of December, can't wait for Christmas. Factory shuts, customers shut, can go home, switch off. When I came back on the 5th of January. In hindsight, on the 5th of January, we were like, oh, that's what burnout feels like. Didn't realise it at the time, but in December, that were it. I were were cooked. Um, And just that little bit of a rest, and, and that's probably aided me at the start of this year to go, that's important, but so is that. And, yeah. and you need, and you need to make sure you've you've got your rest, and you can't take on the world. And yes, you need to delegate those three things, and 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 again, bring some other people on in the team.
0: Yeah, and have you felt that that shift in mindset to delegate in to making sure you look after yourself as well as looking after everybody else has made you a more effective leader of the business?
1: Uh, I, I suppose. If Fiona ever watches this, she'll laugh at this bit because she's she don't she just go, you can't blow your own trumpet. Um <laughs> and that that to me it would be for other people to say. Okay. It's I don't really see it as
0: What do you think other people would say?
1: I know Jade would say delegate more, give me more to do. Um, okay. but that's just because Jade'll tell you how it is. Um I think I think they'd all say they're seeing a a calmer, more assured side because we've dealt with some of the issues from last year. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm probably working in a a slightly calmer environment for my mindset and my personality profile. So a few things changed last year, Um, some good, some bad, Um, but again, I I can only look back and go, right i learn from that learn from that move that forward yeah. Um, so yeah I think people have probably seen a bit more of the fun element of me back I'm never I'm never going to be you know I'm never going to be Pat Sharp running around Fun Factory or whatever it <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not my style yeah um, but I I can Stay out of the way in some aspects to allow the growth because mm. the, there's a there's a couple there's a couple of changes this year where you can you feel like the sunshine's come out but there's there's been a bit of shade removed so they're they're growing quicker. Nice, nice way of putting it. And they're and they're sort of blooming more. So I'm I know that certain people have have stepped up and it's going well because i go down to the shop floor less. So I, my my default, I, I can, you know, I'll, I'll never be afraid. Last year for two, two, three months, laminating gear on, rubber gloves, got my resin out, got my bucket and my brush and my roller. Back on the tools. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I enjoyed that. And sometimes that's where people don't see stresses and strains of, running a business because Mm. the standout thing if i go back on shop floor oh you've come down to do some work for a change then and i'm thinking (laughs) i am finding this so relaxing (laughs) yeah because i'm just thinking about this job in hand yeah uh, not what's going on over there or over there um so it's yeah it's you know it 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 works and it it is doing at the moment
0: yeah but we we could i could honestly i've got about a million questions in my head at the minute so we could easily go on for another three or four hours but we're coming up to an hour so I've really got to. and I, I know you've got lots to get on and I don't want to take up too much of your time so I've just got to sort of nail it down to the last couple of questions before I let you go but it's been an amazing insight into the world of NPM and family business and being a, a director in the family business so thank you for being so open and honest so I'm thinking in terms of a couple more questions my first would be if you could pick three characteristics that you think make a good leader in a family business, somebody that started from the bottom, worked their way up and is now in a position of leadership, be it director, managing director, even on the senior management team. If you could pick three qualities that you think have served you well, what would you pick?
1: Um, resilience. Mm-hmm. Because the challenges will come. Yeah. They, won't, they won't always come in the form of a fire. Um but but weirdly, I'd, I'd take the comeback from the fire of a coronavirus because it was more definite. It were yeah. like right, lost everything, know what we've got to do. Whereas for two years, we were surrounded by uncertainty, yeah. differing, differing opinions, you know, different mindset to how we were all going to deal with it and everything else. So the challenges will come in in different forms, and I think it, that that resilience is key. Uh, I think even with a very successful business, you need a certain level of resilience because uh, fundamentally, there's always going to be somebody that wants to tear you down. Yeah, whether that's competition or not, you know, Simon Sinek, it's infinite game. I've got into every business leader. So if you're competition, sometimes your competition will grow teeth. Mm. Um, so yeah, resilience would be one. I think um, persistence. Because I think if you've set your course for the business, and and you're the, you're the leader, dealing with your team, it, it's you know it always it always always amuses me with with uh, children and you go you can watch parents sometimes and they'll go no 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 <laughs> go on, yeah, then. Go on, then. <laughs> yeah 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 and, and i think if if you've not got that persistence to set to persistence to set a benchmark and a vision and mm. you stay true to that course and, and your values and the business values you're going to become very you're gonna be like a blamond, distracted.
0: Well, that's the entrepreneur's curse, isn't it? It's being distracted by shiny object syndrome and not seeing one course of action through and, until completion. And I, I, I see that quite often, and I definitely see it in myself in my years in the family business. So, two good ones so far: resilience, persistence. What will be your third?
1: I think the other one, and I could probably answer this different every time. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if I change first two, but I, I think you've you've got to have. Um, there's got to be that element of being humble enough to be open-minded that you you'd still going to seek out different perspectives and opinions and different ways of you know running a business etc etc because as much as what I'm saying persistence and stay on your course doesn't mean you shouldn't be you know effectively funneling new information in and continuing your own journey because if if I don't grow with the business mm. you know when we took over it was half a million pound turnover this year's forecast is four million Well, there's a massive difference between a guy that's running the half million and the four million yeah there's a massive, there's a massive difference to, between what your production leader needs to do and be mm. at half a million to running four million yeah um, so you, so your
0: business is never going to outgrow you
1: no so as much as what a business has got to go through uh, sort of evolving and get through that next glass ceiling you as an individual will yeah. and, it, and sometimes you've got to work out whether you want to go through it because just going through it for sake of it and then realizing that you're unhappy that's that's not the place to be mm. you know and a lot of people will say oh i'd really like his job what does he do i don't know what do you want his job for then You know, I really want to be a leader. What does leadership entail? Well, I don't know. Well, (laughs) boil that down first because you might say that you want that, and then you know, you might uh, might wake up next day and and just be unhappy Mm. for everybody.
0: Okay, I've two more questions. I said two more, but I lied. I've got one more afterwards. The last one is a fairly simple one compared to the ones that you've amazing at so far some really amazing insightful answers so you mentioned children earlier do you mind me asking what you have and how old
1: they are uh poppy and luby so two girls and uh poppy's 20 luby is 18 in june
0: okay are either of them in the bus- in the business no if they were to join the business and you could reflect on all of your experiences so far or maybe even if you go back to 18-year-old Ben, when he first joined NPM officially after being at the uh, the previous role, if you could give him just one piece of advice after all those years of experience of working your way through the business and leading it with the rest of your brothers and the relationships with the rest of your family, and you could give him just one piece of advice, what would you say to him?
1: Uh, Work on yourself first. Look in the mirror before you start dealing with other issues.
0: Okay, nice, nice. Okay, and my final one. For anybody that's listening that maybe wants to find out more about you, MPM, follow you on any of the social media platforms. All of the links will be on the show notes over at the website. Um, but have you got any in particular that you're more um regularly posting on either as a business or as you Ben?
1: Uh as a business it's generally LinkedIn uh and Twitter. Yeah. Uh for me, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of social media, so I'm on I'm on LinkedIn personally. Okay. Um, but, but that's that's it for me. Yeah. Um, other than that, we visit the website, there's a factory tour on there, there's a bit about the business, you got an insight to sort of what we do, what we can offer, everything else. Other than that, I think my email and my contact details are on LinkedIn, so you've probably gathered by now that I'm, I'm quite happy to talk about family business and, and again, if somebody, I'll often reach out to, to people um, because I'll always advise. Generally, if you reach out and ask for some help or support, it's very rare that people will say no. So, mm. if somebody, if somebody rang me and said, you know, just thinking about this for business or X, Y, and Z, would you have half an hour for a coffee, or could I come and look round, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera, then normally I would say yes. I can't always promised that it'd be, you know, that day or that week. But yeah, um, a lot of people have helped myself and NPM on, on our journey and and I, I believe in paying forward and, and giving a bit back so
0: yeah no that's really really good mindset to have so yeah really kind of you on that well that brings it to a, a wrap Ben again I just want to thank you so much for spending some time with me today it's been a it's been a really amazing conversation there's been um, so much to dive into and appreciate you being so open and honest and willing to share your own experiences to maybe help other people that might be going through or will one day go through those same experiences. So wishing you and MPM, you know, the best of luck for the rest of 2022. And um, I think it's definitely got to be an episode two based on all these questions I've still got in my head at some point. So yeah, it's been great to meet you. And thanks so much for joining me on the show.
1: I'm not so sure everybody else would be happy, but I'd be happy to do an episode two. I've enjoyed it then. Okay,
0: no, it's good to know. Thanks, Ben. See you again soon. Thank you. So a huge thanks to Ben for joining me on the show and sharing his candid experience of life in the family business. Now, if you're a next-generation leader or in senior management in your own family business, check out a free PDF I've put together called 25 Ways to Level Up Your Impact as a First-Time Leader in the Family Business. To grab yourself a copy, simply head over to www.nextgenbusinesscoaching.com Next Gen, spell N-X-T-G-E-N, And at the top of the site, you'll see where you can get yourself a copy for free. So as always, thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm always grateful for any positive reviews to help spread the word if you enjoyed the show. And stay tuned for more brilliant business interviews with accomplished next generation leaders of family businesses from across the UK. High performance, super effective leaders aren't born, they're made. So get out there, make it happen, and I'll see you on the next episode.